RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. It's time for our political panel Friday morning, and I want to welcome our panelists. Murray Chong, who is a New Plymouth District Councillor and does other things, but primarily you know him as that because he was on this program a few days ago talking about the cycleway. Murray, welcome to our political panel. Thanks for coming on board. Thank you, and uh, I'm, I'm uh, happy to be part of this. Okay, Marie Buskey, counterculture. Hi, Marie. Morning. Oh, I love that voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the voice. Yeah, good to have you. And Marty Gibson, the panelist, the panelist from the the panelled room. The panelled room. Morning. How are you doing? I'm good. Okay, let's get right into it. There's a whole lot of stuff. I'm going to throw out some headings. Rawiri Waititi. Oh, Rawiri, Rawiri, Rawiri. Oh, somebody, yeah, somebody put his foot in his mouth this week. Uh, so he had the unmentionables, had the unmentionables, and it looks like he's uh, being shipped off to the House Disciplinary Committee. I mean, the reality of it is, I mean, the, tomorrow's the last, well, today, rather, is the last day that they're sitting. He knew that. He knew that. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad you said that, Paul, because I think that was quite a deliberate move on his part. He wanted to score points against the ACT Party, and... Uh, I think he believed that he did, quite trying to use privilege. He lobbed one in. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, we can't go into too much details without breaking suppression orders ourselves, but needless to say, he uh, yeah, he sort of slipped one past the goalie and quite deliberately so. And, and isn't he banned for 24 hours or something? Yeah, I mean, as if that's going to make Whoa. a difference. Deterrent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Hipkins Unity. <laughs> Far out. Hipkins, yeah, bless his little heart. I mean, I have decided that Chris Hipkins and Jacinda Ardern are the ultimate political arsonists, right? They set their entire lives creating political policy, which set things on fire, and now they're running around trying to convince us, gaslight all of us, that they, that he, Chris and the team, are the people that are going to put these fires out, and to actually turn around in his unity speech and claim that he is there for everybody, being inclusive to all these different groups, oh, except for New Zealand First and Winston. And he obviously uh, has, um, maybe he's got half Alzheimer's, not Alzheimer's, because he obviously completely forgot that Winston ruled him back out all the way back in November. Yeah, a lot of people have said that. So... Um, what's his beef with Winston? Didn't he? Who was it who dis- who, who coined the coalition of chaos? Who said that? Was well, I've that got a funny cons- feeling that might have been. Um, was that someone else? I think that was national. No, I think that was national. Okay. Um, looking at the party, Marty with the. Greens but what's his and- problem with Winston? I think his problem with Winston is Winston has been around so long that Winston knows where the bodies are buried. I think that's oh, what his problem okay. is with Winston. All right. Yeah. And Winston knows that. You know, he, he, when you've been there that long, you know things, don't you? You do. And you know how things work and you know how things can play out. And uh, you know it all, basically. Seymour cleaning house, throwing, would it be fair to say his people kind of under a a bus or two here or there? Yeah, well, Seymour's interesting. I mean, like, isn't it interesting when you look, you know, I mean, you looked at that fresh faced weed lad. That popped into Parliament, and I mean, what was he thirty when he got in? You mm. know, in Epsom, and he was there, and he he was a sort of a little bit like the fox terrier in the hen house, really. And he was sort of back, 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 squawk, 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 back, 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 <laughs> and then he got some friends, and now you do that again. 
<laughs> oh, she's still she's just constantly thinking about the hour animal to, house. Uh, I know animal farm. Yeah, yeah animal farm. Yeah. farm. I know. Yeah. I, look, honestly, thank thank you. I mean, it's the one thing I'm thankful for. It writes itself, really. Yeah, yeah. But he's he is now suddenly realised he's he's got such a big sniff of power. I think he's he's got his eye on that deputy prime minister's prize, and he doesn't want anybody mucking it up for him. And he is now hugging that centre line so much that it's carnal. And if anybody calls the ACT Party a libertarian party, I mean, honestly, a libertarian party would, I mean, he threw that baby out with the bathwater back with the mandates in 2021. But the fact that he is now censuring uh, his his caucus and sort of making sure that they all get into line, you're not allowed to have differing views on climate, a.k.a. Mark Cameron. Uh, how do you think he's communicating that to his colleagues? Because they they obviously have to obey. So he would have to either make it really worthwhile for them to embarrass themselves because you look you, you look neutered, de-balled when that has you have that happen to you in public, or he's made he's threatened them, or he's made some promises. Well, I think Probably a number a of them are recent. Yeah, little howdy doody face, you know? carrot and stick. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's he'll be he'll be sitting there like the gambler counting up the number of potential seats. And how many he can bring in on me? But list. where does he get them from? He doesn't get them from Labor. He, he gets them inevitably. He gets them from National, doesn't he? So they're only just cannibalizing each other. It's yeah, but that oh, doesn't matter. Doing, Paul. What he's doing is making sure that he agrees with the lies that the media uh, uh, all agreed on, so they don't eviscerate him in other areas. It's just basically a flanking. You know, he's, he's just covering his flank, basically. Okay, if you, field. At, if you look at um, the thing that uh, the lady got uh, sacked for, sorry, I've just lost her name, but, um, you know, it, it's been consistently reported in the media as she compared the COVID lockdowns to the concentration camps. It wa- That was not what she said at all. And what she said was perfectly reasonable. She said, if you're wondering how it got to the stage of the concentration Big camps, Big this tip. is how it started. And... It's a very, very valid observation. And for him to uh, fire her for saying that rather than defend it, it tells you a lot, doesn't it? I know plenty, including myself, plenty of people were making those analogies, comparisons, whatever you want to call them. Sensible, smart people obviously would. So what does he think he's doing? I think he wants to... I do friends, sorry. Elaine, but yeah. good work, and you know, he's wanting to stay right. the darling. He's wanting to stay the darling of the media. I mean, they he knows that they're not fond of Chris Luxon. He he positioned himself as the master of the soundbite once Winston didn't get in in twenty twenty. He doesn't want to relinquish that. He wants to be the guy that they come to for the witty comeback, and mm. and and he and he controls it like he controls. Everything that goes on in that caucus, everything has to go through him. And he does not want any sniff of dissension or anything that could reflect badly on him, regardless of how uh, misplaced or out of context that it is. It's an Overton's window enforcement, Mm. basically. You're allowed to talk about wasteful spending, um, but you're not allowed to question uh, the vaccine and you're not allowed to... uh, talk about how uh, climate change, I mean, the climate's always changed, 
And that's that's the weasel words that his candidate Well, he said he doesn't think it's a hoax anymore. That's what he said. The climate changes. It's not a hoax. (laughs) The hoax is that we can um, make it stabilise by borrowing hundreds of billions of dollars and setting it on fire as a burnt offering to the climate fairies. Better get Murray in here. Murray, what do you make of all of this? Okay, we've talked about there's Hipkins and and Winston, there's Seymour, you know, uh, um, being the boss. Anything to say about those things? It's just all, um, you know, politics and it's election, well, it's election month now, and there's just silly little games and they're just picking on each other and and people see through that. And, And this is the reason why people are just giving up on voting. Um, with the climate change, it's been a political football for far too long, um, and people are seeing through that. I've I've never believed in the climate change and, and how they're putting it out there, um, and I think a lot more people are copping onto it these days. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's farcical now. You're right, Murray. It's completely farcical. I mean, I feel like Sybil going, "Well, whatever you do, Basil, don't talk about the war." You know, it's a bit like that. You know, climate and anything to do with mandates or COVID, it's that, you know, it's become persona non grata or a place that you don't want to go. These are the safe topics. This is where you stick. And it is also to that whole features benefit thing. I mean, it's something Marty and I talk about ad nauseum pretty much every Wednesday because they get tied up in all of this bread and circuses and no one's actually talking about the sorry state you know, of the, the economy. All the features and all the benefits. Yeah. And, and they also do this thing where they urge us to take a globalist approach. Um, you know, there was uh, it was something that... Um, that they were taking Seymour to task about um, in terms of, well, you know, we've we've got to we've got to uh, reduce our emissions, um, you know, globally. And and he was sort of saying, well, New Zealand doesn't contribute much, so they'll think globally in that sense, but they won't think globally in terms of what happens to mine the rare earth minerals or uh, any, anything else like that where it would be sensible to think globally. Well, it's kind of weird to hear David Seymour saying these things because they were a libertarian party, and last time I looked on their website, there's this big word freedom, freedom on there. And uh, maybe they should take that off. It's not doing what it's saying on the box, you stand for. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, as advertised, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he, uh, he screwed that one up when he was talking about going from people's houses door to door, door in a bus and forcing them to get jabbed. You know, that uh, was pretty off-brand, I thought. Um, I've never recovered from it. <laughs> Murray, I remember when I talked to you just um, uh, within the week um, and we're talking about, because uh, we're going to get on to climate, and you were mentioning, you know, the effort to lower emissions with the cycleways and all that in your by your council. But at the same time, you've got these huge bloody cruise ships coming in. Now, what sort of impact do they have? Oh, that's right. And so, so you know, on one hand, they're saying, let's save the environment. On the other hand, they're promoting um, the burning of one of the, you know, most heavy, heavy emissions producing vehicles out there. Um, also, um, I don't know if you know, but our green waste. So everyone's supposed to save their green waste and it gets composted up and all that sort of thing. Well, our green waste, so they pick it up with electric trucks at huge expense, and then they put it on normal trucks and they ship it all the way to Hampton Downs, you know, uh, 400 kilometres away, which negates the electric trucks that we've we've put on there. So this is the thing. I mean, you, you can't say one thing and do the other. 
It's, um, you know, so do they really mean it or is it just a big marketing ploy? How much do those to, electric uh, trucks cost? They must be premium. That, that'd be the most expensive trucks, wouldn't they? Yeah, but they don't actually do a whole shift. So you've got to have twice as many trucks. Not only are they more expensive, but they don't do a full shift. Because of the charging. Because of the charging, right? They have to. Charging, they're only good enough for um, inner city. Um, The outskirts, they use a lot of their power um, to to get from A to B. Um, And then, of course, there's a lot of power picking up in the arms and all that sort of thing and the crushing. But uh, yeah, like I say, we, we, we buy these electric trucks. Yet we're carting at 400k. So it's a show. It's um, just for show. It's, 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 well, the recycling, a, a tiny it's fraction awesome. of recycling gets recycled. Yep. Most of it goes to yep. landfill. But the yep. money involved. Oh, huge, huge. Well, how um, big's the fleet of trucks? Uh, I think the electric ones, I think they've got about five or six now. Okay, they'd be um, about 100, 200k each. Uh, 250k oh, each. Oh, that'd be that'd be 300 plus, I'd say. Okay, there you go. Okay, gee, yeah. Okay, I, we should be electric truck dealers. <laughs> I know it's it's really interesting. Um, we do get the loonies coming out. We have Americana with his, uh, you know, eight to nine hundred American V8s touring uh, our region for three or four days. And boy, do the loonies want to shut that down. And I just think, uh, the you know, loonies. <laughs> when you actually have a look at the vehicles, I mean, I've got a, I've got a V8 myself and it's 40 years old, um, but it's the same footprint. I've, I've bought that. I'm probably going to be around for another 30 or 40 years because it's now a classic. So which one is actually worse for the environment? Okay. Well, all right. So let's get on to this. Uh, I think, Marty, you want to talk about uh, the 1,600 scientists um, who yeah, have... and nine, I think. Um, oh, okay. Or yep. Um Yeah, so uh, I thought this was interesting because, you know, we've got this big crackdown on anyone suggesting that climate change orthodoxy might be incorrect. Um, so... And, and we're constantly battered with this. The science is settled. There's a consensus. All the top scientists agree. Um, having studied geology at university, I, I had a bit more insight into it than a lot of people. And that, and my professors actually back in the early 90s were saying, look, it, it doesn't work as a theory. It's basically a UN revenue gathering exercise. Right. And I was told even in the early 2000s by someone who went and did a master's, they still thought that but couldn't say it because it wasn't politic to do so, mm. which is a shame. Um, but, yeah, they basically um, said it says the doubt is based on data showing that natural factors are very much at play. The warming is slower than predicted. The models are unreliable. CO2 has great benefits and weather disasters have not increased. And we spoke about this earlier on uh, the show the week before last where there's a Belgian organisation that monitors deaths from natural disasters, and that's over the past century decreased by 90%, despite the population having quadrupled. So all of those headlines about increasing disasters are, are, are crap. They're, they're barefaced lies. Well, Niwa was caught out with that, totally. Yeah, yeah. and that how, how much publicity did that get? Minimal. Yeah, none that I saw in, in the mainstream media at because all. Because that actually was a scandal, because... First of all, the data manipulation was was off the planet. Second, they don't own that data. We do. Yeah. 
and they were weaponizing our data back on us. Yeah. And, and I mean, there, there are estimates that it, that our climate change policies are meeting our Paris Accord agreements, which, of course, James Shaw has been flying around around the world trying to get us to ag add our agriculture into, despite it being exempt, because that's where most of our emissions are. And he wants to lead the world, which, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the climate, mo all the headlines still, even after all this time, are based on models. And you can make a model say anything that you want. Much like you can make a a, a, a crown um, report or royal commission say anything you want, you just set the parameters for it. Yeah. Um, well, well, we had Judith Curry on this program, and uh, she is quite well known for her one eighty degree flip. Just speaking to that climate consensus or, or scientific consensus, she said it doesn't exist. The only consensus is people who are on the take. Yeah. There is a consensus well, amongst them. You can get funding to uh, do research with models that indicate that uh, the climate's changing and CO2 is the driving force. You can't get um, models nullifying that. And that sort of goes back to th that rule of it's not science if it's not nullifiable. You've got to be able to disprove it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, typically... There was a peer-reviewed study back in 2018 that showed that climate models um, uh, exaggerate the warming from CO2 emissions by as much as 45%. I've seen other speculation that 100%. Um, so, you know, I mean, and we've got so much writing on this. You know, as I said, if, if we look at that $70 billion figure that's, that's uh, had some estimates it could cost us. That's 30 times the total treaty settlements. And, yeah, and we tore ourselves to bits as a nation arguing about that for decades. I don't see the extra income. I don't see how we can off offset that. Well, the, the aim with all this stuff is to drive us broke. So our yeah, economy okay. needs to be restructured by the IMF. It's interesting looking at the stuff code of practice and ethics um, on climate change. You know, given you know what I've just said about uh, the dissent, stuff adopts a science-led approach and recognizes the overwhelming scientific consensus that climate change is real and caused by human activity. We welcome robust debate about the appropriate response to climate change, but will not provide a venue for denialism or hoax advocacy in either our reporting or in user comments. So, none of those, none of those points are correct. No. But, but that, you know, that's the, again, whatever you do, don't talk about the war. He who pay, pays the piper calls the tune. And much as they clutch their pearls and say, our journalistic integrity is never compromised by being paid $100 million. It kind of is. There is no scientific consensus, number one. What else did they say? Um, that uh, denialism, well, denialism is just other data is what that is. No. So, so well, I want to know, Murray, what are they t saying over in Taranaki? Because, I mean, Taranaki is a region that got affected by this in 2017, where out of the blue, dear leader turns around and makes a captain's call and says no more future exploration for oil and gas. I mean, there must have been an absolute region-wide gasp when that happened. What is the feeling on the ground from locals now, six years on? And Nicola Willis came out, I heard her in an interview yesterday, quite clearly stating that National would actually spin that round. It, it, will that win hearts and favours in your neck of the woods? 
Yeah, well, it's the it's the investment of money. So if um, any, if something if something if they're not going to uh, for the future, and they're looking at it as a sunset industry, you don't get the long term investment. And I think that's where um, that's where we're hurting. So when I mean investment, you won't get an oil company wanting to set up an office, wanting to build offices, um, invest here, use this as a base. If they think in another ten years it's not going to be there, so they'll go and they'll go somewhere else. Um, they might base themselves out of Australia and, and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, that's that's the biggest risk, that we lose the long-term investment of a huge industry. Um, yeah, so I'm... So, really so even if, if National say, yeah, that's us, if it's not committed to 10, 20, 30 years out, then forget it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. You, you, you just won't get the businesses wanting to set up. Um, here and uh, base themselves out of here. You got to remember we've got a we've got a port here, and um, that was going to be used as a base um, for the oil industry. Now that um, we've got this, you know, we can still um, use the licenses we've got now, but we can't do any more future ones. So I think that's off the cards now, and that's a multi-million dollar um, investment of, of setting a. Um, you know, a, a servicing base for the oil industry, offshore oil industry, right here in Taranaki. So I think we've lost that. Um, it's millions and millions and millions of dollars. But um, I think the the biggest thing is, and you said it before. You know, we're they're setting us up to fail. Everything to do with green. It's all to do with technology. You've got the windmills. You've got the solar and all that. All in over twenty years, all that needs replacing, and then we've got another round. So a lot of these things are short-term thinking, and they all need replacing in fifteen and twenty years' time. Yeah, once once they discover, once the people putting up the money to to do the exploration discover that it can all be switched off by a Marxist student politician with an arts degree, so she's got yeah. something to boast about at a conference in Paris the next week, uh, without consultation with certainly not with New Zealand's people or even her caucus, it does make you jittery. I wouldn't do it. That's right, and that's what we're finding. We're not getting the businesses opening up yet. And we're getting the them short term, but they're not wanting to use us as a base. And it's the reputational damage as well. I mean, what you've described, Murray, beautifully describes what's happened in our tourism industry. You know, mm. that whole other other borders going to be open, are they going to be closed? Are they going to close them at any given time? And when they finally throw them open late after everybody else. The, there was this assumption that tourism would just bounce back. Well, it hasn't. It's still only at sixty percent of pre-COVID levels. Yeah, so, again, you can you can make those eerie assumptions when you've never run a business or employed someone who you've got to make a profit from how how they go, you know. And and rather than magical, if you ever run a team of workers, you get some real good ones, and you get some that aren't so good. And uh, it, it, once you lose your real good ones, man, it's hard to get that momentum back. Marie, you might have found this with some of the people you've talked to on your program and certainly with me from, you know, heavyweights from overseas. I don't know if the Kiwis are aware, there is an impression that we have gone back to the Stone Age. Oh, definitely. It's not like, hey, you're great, you've done fa It's like, I'm really sorry to hear that you've been oppressed by your prime minister, your government. These are serious people, smart yeah. people. Yeah. I mean, both you and I have spoken to Dr. Naomi Wolf, and mm. when I spoke to her, this is off interviewed, could you chat, you know, provided getting totally. started. The first thing she said to me, she went, what went wrong? 
You know, she said, well, she's not the only one in, in my case. And, uh, and, and what it, uh, I kind of knew that anyway, but what it made me realize is that <clears throat> you got to think very carefully about how you project your image. Yeah. You might be yeah. you know, thinking you're just wonderful, but actually people are sitting back taking note and going, this place is a basket case. It's lost the plot. These people are crazy. Mm. And I also, think, I think... Um, Go, Murray. I, I think um, not only is people wary about the investment of those decisions we just mentioned, but you put on top the extra bureaucracy um, of the RMA and combined with co-governance, um, that's a whole nother level of difficult that we're not really sure what's um, how bad or how good, I'd say how bad it's going to get. Well, you can't have the Great Reset if you don't crash the economy. And so that, that makes a lot of stuff look sense, just makes sense, that overburdening with regulation. And, and it's just straws on the camel's back. They're doing it to Australia and, you know, they're, they're doing it to all Western countries. Um, yeah. Uh, but it sounds like though local government, Murray, is completely hypnotized into this way of thinking. It's like there seems to be a, a, a big lack of information for councillors, council officers. They, you know, they don't know what fifteen-minute cities are, or they think it's some kind of convenience thing. When it's it's more than that. They don't realize where co-governance is taking everybody. They don't think that you know destroying eight hundred car parks in downtown is not going to affect. Business, you know, you. Well, I suppose they're all too busy working on the ship, uh, and they're heading towards the iceberg. And they, that's they've got their own little jobs, and it's not their problem. And you know, of the eight hundred staff we've got, they're not seeing the iceberg. They're just working on their own little. Uh, you know, you've got you in a ship. You've got so many people. Their heads down, and they're not looking forward. They're not actually looking to see where we're going. Um, uh, and they're just doing what they're told. And I, I think that's the problem. Everyone's just head down, covering themselves, um, not wanting to get fired for speaking up. Yet where we're heading, we'll we'll hit the iceberg and sink. Oh, great! <laughs> this keeps getting better. Okay, let's now uh, move on to ram raiding legislation. <laughs> yeah, ram raiding legislation. You've got to love the end of a parliamentary term, don't you? I mean, this government has been a serial offender for pushing legislation through. There are stories that go way back um, pre-2021. If they needed to move something through, they put it under urgency. This Labor government have made a mockery, an absolute mockery of our legislative process to the point that they've been called out by law professors, Amnesty International. And the problem is, is it's, it's addictive. It's addictive. When you can use... Uh, the whole concept of emergency or urgency to push through legislation and it's all nice and clean and you don't have to go through that messy sort of select committee process and you don't have to find people to sit around on a Zoom call for days on end looking bored because that's mm. what they do while real New Zealanders actually exercise their democratic process and pour their hearts out at why whatever yeah, it is. For that what? You're, yeah, for what? Ex exactly. They have zero interest whatsoever. So urgency is nice and clean. And they are ramming stuff through left, right and centre. And currently, I mean, three waters, I mean, that's that's the big one. We all know um, Kiwis don't want it. They're not interested in it. And the one thing you've got to give this government, if they've had a skill for anything, it's let's not let a good crisis go to waste. 
So think Christchurch. What did they do? Oh, we've we've had this dreadful, horrific disaster. Oh, we've been looking for a reason to take guns away from legal gun owners. And we've got the legislation drawn up. And we've got the legislation. Yeah. Oh, here happens to be one I've prepared earlier. Yeah. And away well, they went. Wasn't that a coincidence that that opportunity came along? Exactly. Um, COVID, they, they pushed that through. And then you have people like Sue Gray come along and put a fly in the ointment. But that's okay. We we actually knew that the legislation that was there was not up to snuff. We were kind of hoping no one was going to notice. But yeah. that's okay. Here's plan B that we could just rush through the next day. Shameless. Utterly Utterly shameless. And they're doing it again tonight. They are going to sit until late tonight to ram all this legislation through. And it's a little bit like a lolly scramble, right? They're going to push all of this legislation through because they know that they're on the way out. They're hoping that if they throw enough enough excrement at the wall, that when National and ACT and, the, and a centre-right coalition come in and they tr- and they clean this mess up, there'll be the odd bit that they miss. And that's essentially what they're doing. Um, the, there are 300 last-minute changes to the bill, the amendments to the Three Waters Bill, and that's going through under urgency. So they know councils don't want it. I think there's, what, only two councils out of all the councils that were pro-Three Waters? Councils don't want it. The public don't want it. The only people that want it are the iwi and and the government, and they're going to ram this through. Luxon has already said no, she's gone. But then that comes really down. well, really yeah, you that, say yes, that, but really, but, well, yes, but how much of it will be gone? Well, knowing that what we know, you know, has seems to be, I don't know, in that looking circle. for a line to run up. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so there is a yeah. whole. Um, so th- you've so you've got uh, three waters. Oh, no, I did have. Where is my list? Where where is my list with the rest of them? These are whole swag of them. Uh, wasn't the um and Murray? You might have a view on this. The um sixteen-year-olds uh, voting in local body elections. That was an urgency thing too. Yep, that's in that's in the budget as if tonight. that was the most urgent thing going on. Oh, that's that's bloody ridiculous. If I could say that, it's just um, we we don't need that. Um, you know which way they're going to vote. I've always said, um, you know, if you don't vote socialist when you're young, you haven't got a heart. But if you still vote socialist when you're old, you haven't got a brain. Yeah. I reckon Gen Z are uh, increasingly brainless. They're getting more socialist as they get older. Mm, mm, mm. But, you know, the, the interesting thing about that legislation, and it's it's true I've disco- I discovered of most of these bits of legislation that come out of the blue, you can go back to the World Economic Forum website and find a recent article on a recently developed policy. Right, that, that matches up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. matches so, up, even the language. So that one would be useful because, okay, small steps, you start with local government, the next obvious one is is general elections. Um, you brainwash the young people, kind of Hitler Youth style. They are in numbers aging population, da-da-da, and um, they can then be the, the the determining group in elections. And phew, what sort of world do we have then? They're the puppies that Squealer takes away to raise to be attack dogs, uh, right, Marie? And, yeah, and, did, and didn't Mal use the, the young people to, you know, do what he did? 
Yeah, I mean, not only young people, but the STV voting. I think there's only uh, a few councils. We've got that. Um, they say it's a better way of voting, but at the end of the day, once it's in, um, a lot of the young voters or the um, people that wouldn't usually get on on first past the post, they get to vote it back in again. It never gets out. Um, this is the problem. Once you get that type of people in, um, the whole dynamics of how voting and and, and changes, and, and it's a bit of a worry. They're not interested in local government, mate. That's a stepping stone. That's just a way to get into it. They're yeah. interested in general elections. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's they must be. Stones. They knew they couldn't get it across the board with um, central government. So let's let's just let's just get it in the board. And then, of course, those people will say, "Well, I can vote in the uh, local." Yeah. Election. Why can't I do it? In why the, can't I vote in the general election? Toe in the water, uh, and, 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 and then it just, it just it basically just snowballs into that. Yeah. Okay. Anyone got anything else, uh, anything more to say about RAM-rated <laughs> urgency? I was interested in reading, you know, the, the pearl-clutching of David Parker about it's not compatible with the Bill of Rights, you know, and you kind of think, well. Oh, really? Oh, really you know, there's something about you can't search 12 to 14-year-olds because what about bodily autonomy? It was Oh, that, that small matter of bodily autonomy, one. eh? That comes back yeah, again. Yeah, real worried about it all of a sudden. Yeah, gee. Okay. Um, what do we move to now? Um, oh, uh, we're kind of seeing the same version, but Aussie-fied in terms of co-governance happening um, across the Tasman. And what's the seventh state that's being called for? Does anyone know anything about that? Oh, it's an it's an alternative to well, it's being put up by um, an indigenous uh, leader over there, Michael Mansell. He's got blue eyes. Um. Just, I'm just, um, you know, I don't want to get into a blood quantum thing, but, you know, it was a bit of a shock. Uh, so he's proposed basically that Aboriginal people form a seventh state um, rather than just having a voice. Um, and, you know, I mean... Uh, Is that such a bad idea? I don't think it's it's that bad. But again, you know, it's never quite what it, uh, what it seems. I actually preferred in some ways, I don't know if you caught Anthony Mundine, just basically uh, tore into it. He's obviously, you know, he's a no, I haven't seen that. No. Very uh, prominent uh, Aboriginal sportsman. He's very successful in uh, rugby and in um, boxing later. But um, he he's uh, basically said that Indigenous people are being paid to back it. And uh, he said, I, I see my brothers pushing and organisations pushing the yes vote. A lot of organisations are getting paid to push the yes vote. It's all about getting money. Um, and now it's detrimental to people, not just blackfellas, to everyone. Um, <laughs> because, and this is the really, this is where he, you don't, he said, because they want to take the sovereignty rights, basically it is a new world order agenda to take over the land. Oh. Um, you know, he, he um, and, and I, I've been really interested in how, the bankers are suddenly really concerned about indigenous people. You know, the point I often make is women thought the Rockefellers and the CIA were uplifting them, funding feminism. And now that same little clique of psychopaths are wanting to uplift indigenous people. But, you know, it was all about creating division and demoralization of their most likely opponents. But um, yeah, he said, if that yes vote goes through, we're all well and truly, you know what, because they want to enslave humanity, man this new world order stuff. So we've got to stand up and fight, fight for our people, fight for our country. Boy, that's pretty strong. 
It is, isn't it? That was in the Daily Mail. He obviously like, doesn't have a job to worry on. about. He doesn't have a job to worry about. Well, y- y- yeah, um, but the, the 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 aim is to basically block development of land, and you only have to pay off a few people. You know, you can you again. It's down to that stopping economic development. Wow. No matter okay. um, no matter which way you look at it, it's all about division. Um, we shouldn't be doing this. Well, I'm just wondering, um, you know, we're getting a lot of immigrants um, into this country, the Chinese and the Indians, and when are they going to start to speak up? Or are they just being good little Kiwis and, and not really wanting to rock the boat? Because well, South Africans the Zimbabweans. I always yeah. say to them, hey, man, you guys have been on this um, – been on this laws, you know, that, that differentiate by race, you know, you, you, maybe you could share your experience. Oh, no, we just want to get on. Well, that's that's yeah, my I'd point. Say, they come I'd... here, they don't want to upset the, upset the cart, so they don't say anything. And, and, and there's more and more coming into the country, not just, you know, just all races, but they don't want to say anything. But they're well, wrapped they, up they in don't this say, They don't say anything, though, Murray, but they do vote. And yeah. yeah, particularly like I mean, I know a lot of I'm from, have a medical background, and I, I know a lot of staffers from who were in medicine because a whole heap came out and and over the last twenty or thirty years, and they can't say anything. They can't say anything. They want to, mm. but they can't. And but what they can do is they can vote and they can have carefully curated private conversations and in the Asian communities I've got someone that works quite closely with a number of those a number of businesses and people in the Asian community and you're starting to see it now you know and even uh, was it a Winston Peters rally where a number of Sikhs uh, all walked in en masse to attend the rally there because they had concerns you know that shows a really strong that sends a message that these communities are talking amongst themselves so they may not be putting themselves out there in the media, but those conversations are going on, and those conversations people are unhappy. And uh, I do wonder. Cam has said that you know his people say to him that this feels like the what was it the nineteen ninety six election? Yeah. That there are going to be some surprises. I, um, I wonder. Yeah, good point, Murray. But I wonder what it's like for immigrants who come up against New Zealanders for the first time, because we can be quite on the whole. Well, we can be passive aggressive for a start, and that comes across quite a bit. So, we can be kind the of awkward. Say again, the kiwi trout face. I always yeah. find confronting when I come home. Yeah, there you go. Um, you know, we can we don't like anything that's disagreeable, so we'll we'll try and. I mean, I could be wrong here, but this, you know, that we'll try oh, and shut right. things down so we don't have any confrontation on any level because it's too awkward. I don't know why we're like so, that. Um, so, which way? Which way do these immigrants vote? Do they vote on? being all Kiwis um, and protecting, you know, what we've got here, or do they vote um, business more more immigrants in because they bring more of their families? What's more important for them basically will tell you which way they're going to vote. And, business, and I'd say. Money. Business. What will benefit them financially, yeah, yeah. generally it'll be business. Yeah. Mm. So that would probably be, um, uh, off the top of my head, to be national for the Indians and the Asians, because they'd be perceived as the more reliable, business-friendly party. Indians get right? Marxism pretty hard when they get it, though. They, and you often find a lot of labor, or maybe it's just that they're Indian people that Labor buys in to support them on Facebook. <laughs> it gives me that impression. Well, well, yeah. You say you know that you say it could be national, but then again, you know which party wants to bring more in, 
and maybe that's the decider of oh. somehow vote. That's that's what I'm saying. You know. That, well, that's National Party as well. That's all of them, isn't it? That's Labor and National. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it is, but uh, we can't just keep on bringing more and more in. I, I, I just. Well, it is uh, right that it's maybe we have to, and we can jump to the next subject on that because here's mm. the job market, mm. and if you've been listening to RCR, you'll know from um, from Dr. Um, Hatchard, from Ed Dowd. Um, and all the anecdotal that we hear, tightening job market, more on benefits, though at the same time, record low unemployment. One of those things is not like the other. No, one of those things is not like the other. Uh, so I just had a little gander at the latest Seek job, job Report because they put one out sort of every month or so, and it gives you a good indication of where things are at with employment. Now, I'm, I'm an employer and I work in a business, and finding staff is always our number one issue. So to your point, Murray, we I would love more people to be brought into New Zealand because we can't find them here. Mm. And we have non-New Zealand like we have new immigrant New Zealanders on our staff because we can't find Kiwis to fill those roles. And we're not these roles, some of these roles aren't particularly special. We just literally cannot find Kiwis motivated enough to get out of bed to do it. Because we pay so them too well yeah. we how, pay them too well to stay at home. It's not. It's not right. How, how can no. we fix that? Because no one should be no no healthy person should be paid not to work. Well, there, tomorrow. my friend. There, my friend, you've hit the nail on the head. No mm. healthy person. Mm. So, having a look at the seek numbers um, again for about the third, fourth month, fourth month in a row, the uh, month on month number of job ads in seek has gone down by four percent. It is down twenty six percent year on year. Now, if you if you cast your mind back to a year ago, we had finally sort of dust, you know, thrown off the shackles of the pandemic, and we were trying to get things up and running, and you couldn't find people for love nor money. A lot of those that had come out to New Zealand on working visas had gone, and it's all, and you don't notice that they've gone when you've locked locked yourself down. So there was a huge. Uh, shortage to get people in to fill those roles, particularly specialist roles. So 4% um, down month on month, 26% down year on year. Uh, in, we're just 1% higher now on job ads than what we were back in 2019, pre-COVID. Okay, so we're sort of how, treating... Um, how concerned are you guys about the uh, about the number of New Zealanders um, going to Australia? Realizing, you know, they're getting paid more. We, I think, we're going to start going to be losing a lot, lot that way. And already happened, I think. Already have. Yeah. So, 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 how can we stop that? And where can we draw that back? Or do we just keep on getting them from other countries rather than just stopping? You know, we need to get our them. shit together. That's the answer yeah. to that. Sorry to be so brutal, but that's and, really and we hard. probably also need to think about the implications of our birth rate um, drip, dropping down potentially yeah. below one. Uh, well, so Guy Hatchard's um, stats were 27% reduction in live births. Yeah, since 2019. And this is where the hole comes in, right? Because yep. we're looking at benefits. Benefits have now cracked. I mean, you're now looking as of July 14th, 353,000 on benefits, over 100,000 on the job seeker benefit, which is the dole. Okay, so you've got job ads down, you've got the dole up, you've got people laying, um, you're still struggling to find people, but you've got more people on benefits 
there's jobs out there, but you know, there's this 37, this elephant, this 38% disability number. Yeah. And no one wants to talk about the disability. Identical number. to the figure in the US. Yeah. We're talking working people, right? Working age people. Yeah. Right? So working age people. So 38% of people, it's a disability rate. So where are those people being captured? Are they being captured in those benefit numbers? But the other thing about those benefit numbers too are the increases of benefits around helping those out in sort of part-time or working in fact to family type work. So we have a situation, for example, with JobSeeker, all those benefits have been lifted pro rata to the rate of inflation, right? A lot of those people don't live in independent housing. They they lived in, in combined housing situations. So when you're paid so generously to be sitting on your chuff watching Netflix and doing whatever it is that you do, and also a number of them, a number of them are generating income illegally. So what's happening with those people? But that big elephant in the room is that 38%. Now, the thing is, is that the normies are starting to notice. Liam Dan and the weekend uh, hero, Herald on Sunday, a uh, big issue for next government will be jobs, not grocery prices. And he's right. I mean, we are looking down the barrel economically of the next great depression. The economic shit is going to hit the fan. Once that dollar uh, crashed out, oh, Liam, Liam Dan is, is one of the few uh, journalists in New Zealand who's actually numerate. He always reminds me of that expression, uh, in, in, in the world where everyone's blind, the one-eyed man is king. Yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah. Um, he's, that disability figure, that is huge, okay, because that's in the increase, right? Mm-hmm. So well, you talked with Ed the other day where he said it's almost identical to the one they're seeing in the States. Proportionately, exactly. So well, ducks, and, um, people can't see it, but uh, – um, up on, on the wall behind Murray, there are a line of ducks. Ducks are lining up, aren't mm. they? Um, you, and so we zero in on how do we explain that? And I think we can explain it. The other thing I've heard too is that uh, all the um, emergency housing is maxed because of this disability problem. Yeah. There was another story of a family I actually read in the Herald yesterday and a family that got displaced from the floods. So you've got families who are still on waiting lists with IMBI because it's IMBI that are placing these people for some reason on waiting lists with another ministry of everything, by the way, Yeah, yeah. Um, to get placed into emergency housing. The flood was, I mean, Gabby was six months ago and these people are still waiting. And this uh, this woman, she was in a family, that she, they lost everything. I mean, it's devastating. They lost everything. They were at Wyhick, can't go back home. They've got multiple children. The only thing literally this family managed to walk out of their house with other than their lives were their two dogs. So they don't want to give up the two dogs. Problem is they have gang affiliations with black power. Now, the thing is, mm. is that, you know, if you're, you're very much, if you know anything about gang relationships here on the coast, Black Power is the minority gang. Here on the East Coast, mongrel mob rules all. Well, they're having issues trying to place these people in emergency housing in non-mob areas. So right. now we've got okay. this family who are separated, trying to find somewhere to live, have been placed in a mob area, and they're, and they're complaining, oh, we, can, we don't feel safe because we can't go out um, out to play we, because we're Black Power, and no one asked us what our gang affiliation was. 
What's wrong with this picture? What are your pronouns? Yeah, what are your pronouns? Your gang nouns. Busky, that is a good point. You know, like, um, it didn't occur to me that the unemployment had been absorbed in the disability. And it's not just uh, what we think it is either. I think there is a lot of me- a massive amount of mental health. And, and I mean, mental health was a cock case before COVID. Could you, well, I it's mean, a bit like, you know it's... how they said, oh, the suicide rate's gone down. And then the St. John figures, this was, I think, about 21, right? And then the St. John's figures came out and their calls to attempted suicide were up by 30%. And again, as you say, Paul, like one of these things doesn't yeah. belong here. Sort of well, even if it's not directly the jab, it's all the consequence of everything surrounding it, the way I see. You yeah, know. well, Cameron, Cameron Bagri, he's warning that you could see 400,000 plus on benefits based on current trends, 11.3% of the total working aged people in New Zealand, or in other words, a ratio of one to nine. How can we afford that? Well, we can't, Paul. Well, again, we've borrowed a billion dollars. In America, just recently, credit card de- debt ticked over a trillion dollars. People yeah. are $5,000 a month, I think, upside down in their living costs. So eventually, it causes a crisis. And these people love a crisis, as you said earlier, Marie. Well, Farzan Irani, who does the money talks, he he's convinced. Oh, that's a that, good show, that is, Paul. That we are heading towards a kind of... Yeah, controlled collapse. An engineered collapse. Would An engineered be collapse, yeah. Possibly. But see, here's the $6 million question, right? I have people ask me all the time, particularly around the cultural stuff, what are going to wake people up? What wakes people up is money. No money. There's no money. So if you have this con- controlled collapse, what you then have is a society that's ripe for some form of revolution. And whether that's a quiet revolution or whether or not it's uh, something you go into a depression, but ultimately that will become a pinnacle moment. The minute you start hitting people into a crisis, they start looking at, they they take the rose-tinted glasses off and they start looking at the situation through a different lens. We've seen that in the last six months here in Hawke's Bay. Mm-hmm. We've seen yeah. that. And I think when you throw, particularly New Zealanders, I mean, what were we second? Uh, I mean, second to bottom after Equatorial Guinea, and you know the growth figures for the OECD, it's gonna it's gonna turn ugly. I think um, if you maybe even look at it this way, okay, you collapse it, but what you replace it with very quickly is instantaneously a central bank digital currency, which wipes everybody's debt. Yep, slates clean. Okay, you don't have any assets left, but you're not. You know, in debt, so that's so you're happy, of, yeah, with nothing. That's assuaged. Then, hey, now we like for the people who put that in the controllers. This is good. Now we've got that, and yeah. we should start again. I can see, I can see that possibly working. Build back better, man. And it doesn't that? help that you've got people. I actually had a quick little look at the uh, taxpayer union. Uh, debates that they'd be doing, and they did one in Islam. And I only looked at the Islam one because I had a friend from Islam staying with me last weekend, and he's a bit torn between the top candidate and the uh, act candidate of Raff. who to vote for. Raf, well, so Raf, far out, really, Raf. I mean, fifteen minute cities are all good with our Raf. Um, and he talked about agriculture and uh, farming as sunset industries. 
I mean, obviously, Raf's life is pretty good. Yeah. In Central Island in Christchurch, you know, we don't spend a lot. I mean, when you think a 15 minute city is good, he's not obviously putting on the red bands and popping out to see what the real world looks like, you know, a few 20 or 30 kilometers down the Things road. It must be it? okay for Raf if he's kind of in that mode. Yeah. It can't be too pressing, can't be too many economic, economically pressing issues on Raf. So, coming up towards uh, end of time here for our political panel. Fluoride seems to uh, be quite a thing that we talk about and our audience is very interested in. We've talked to Bay of Plenty councillors. We've talked to uh, Rotorua District Councillor. We talked to Roy Chanteloup in Arrowtown, who's fighting the battle down there. Mari, in Taranaki, are they trying to make you fluoridate your water system? They certainly are, and um, we voted to not have it in there um, back in 2017. And now it's being forced back in with um, with the threat of fines, of course. Um, I've always said, if in doubt, leave it out. I, I don't want to be um, – they, they think it could be the, the new lead in the future. And uh, I don't want to – I don't want my children or, or my grandchildren coming to me and saying, well, those are the years you were in there and you didn't speak up about it and vote, vote for it to be out. So, you know, you've caused the, these illnesses or possible illnesses onto my children. Uh, I don't want to be responsible for that. Technically, it's a poison that shouldn't be in our water. Yeah, uh, it's interesting because I've heard a lot of the arguments and the people we've talked to uh, here on RCR, and that is um, usually from um, the government side or the health side, it's all about teeth. But really, it's about compulsorily medicating people. And again, the issue of body autonomy, isn't it? When you're talking about the fundamental, um, you know, spring of life, water. Yep, that's right. I mean, uh, once again, we talked about it with the um, with the climate um, change and, and and the hypocritical uh, ways they promote promote that. You know, we're supposed to be pure New Zealand with pure water, and here we are putting uh, here we are putting a, a poison into it. We're not pure anymore, are we? All that advertising, all that marketing of lovely waterfalls on the West Coast and all of that, and then the, what we're really doing is we're dropping 1080 into the freaking bush and we're putting fluoride in the water supply or chlorine. What the hell is going on, Marie, Marty? What are you? Well, it's a lot of those forever chemicals, right? I mean, I, I heard somewhere that those paper drink straws um, are less healthy because they've got a lot of, fluor- uh, a lot of fluoride-based um, polymers in them. Oh, nice. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, I think I think there, there you quite it, it's quite correct to wonder whether it's going to be the lead of the future. I, I, I think the, the anti-stick stuff that we're so liberal with and heat up kills canaries. One think, of the uh, things I worry about too, Marty, is that it's the people that they always claim that they're trying to protect are the ones that they end up harming. And yeah. you know, we've got a pretty decent water filter on this house so all the water that comes from the water toby from the street into this house is heavily filtered so all the chlorine all the fluoride anything out all the little anythings uh, that are in there yeah gets gets filtered out before it enters the house so we've got great water inside the house we we can afford to do that the guy who installed in fact we've just had it um uh, upgraded and all the things cleaned and we said you've been busy mate and he said run off my feet 
front oh, of really? He said, yeah. He said, people don't, not happy with the water. He said, all I'm doing, and all he does is install, and then we're, and I'm not talking the little tap filters that people press in an anemic little yeah. sort of prostate type dribble comes out the spout. You know, we're not talking about that. I'm talking about a full on from the Toby pressure, yeah. everything, showers, the lots get done. And he, that's all he does. And he's run off his feet. But the, con- the concern is, is unless you live in a house, if, if most people that really, that they claim they're helping with this, those in lower socioeconomic areas, and let's call it, they're going to play the, drinking the fizzy drinks. Island card. Yeah, they live in rental homes that don't have this. So therefore, their justification is, is that they will be protected. But then, of course, are they actually work. protected? It doesn't work. And then they're undoing you know, they've got the sippy cups with the Milo inside of it. They're thinking that just juice is okay because it's juice, so therefore it's healthy, not realising that it's loaded with sugar. Yeah. You know, it's that education. I mean, they it's educa- it all comes, I mean, gosh, Marty, how many times have we said this? It all comes yep. back to education. Yeah, but why is Ashley Bloomfield in his last week of in the job forcing this on all the councils of New Zealand? Because it Surely he must be aware of the... It gets the, his the rocks latest. off on it, Paul. Well, Makes it's, it's kind of like poisoning people, potentially. Yeah, sugary water is more expensive than pure water. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. In, in, in its bottled form. And also, from a rates point of view, Murray, I mean, if you're a rate payer, you could make an argument, couldn't you? Say, oh, I'm not prepared to pay whatever the proportion is for the water for the rates because you're not giving me water. That's right. But, um, I mean, if you go and have a look at the government's website on the potential cost in today's dollars of when free waters comes in, and I'm talking about in 2051, but this is in today's dollars, that if your rates in today's dollars are 3100 your water bill will be $4,340. That's basically this in today's dollars. So your water bill is going to be more than your rates bill. Oh man, and this is so, uh, and you need it. It's an essential. It actually, should be free, in my view, totally free, um, and un uh, un uh, encumbered with anything. All right. Um, any last any last words before well, I we? Just, I was just thinking about you saying with with what you just said, Murray. Did any of you guys see the film The Big Short, which was the dramatization of what happened that created the GFC in '06? Yeah. So do you remember what happened at the end of the movie? So I can't remember the name of the actual guy, but it was the Brad Pitt character who played this sort of kind of savanti financial guru. The, yep. uh, yeah, and I think it was they, Christian Bale. Oh, was it Christian Bale? Sorry, Christian Bale. And they said, "What do we? You know, what do we need to watch out for next? What do we need to invest in?" And he said, "Water." Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's the blue gold. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's been an interesting chat for our political panel this uh, Friday morning with Murray Chong, um, New Plymouth District Councillor, Marty uh, in the panel room, Marie in the, I don't know. <laughs> I'm in my <laughs> boudoir, study, Paul, in study. my boudoir. Yeah, boudoir, okay. Um, but uh, you can't tell that from the audio, obviously. You didn't need to say that, actually. Okay, anyway, so that's it. Uh, we'll do it again this time next Friday here at RCR. Thanks, everybody. Thank Thanks you. Very much. Have a good week. Yep. Bye. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.